Hey, Lisa. Hi, Julie. Long time no see. I know. We had such an amazing weekend. We are back from Boston. Got in last night at 2 a.m. I got, we got back, back home at about 2 a.m., So, but totally worth it. On a high, right? So Running on a high. And uh, we are here back at the uh, recording center, a.k.a. Lisa's house, where we are recording for now our final episode of our Boston marathon podcast series for 2019. We will be back. We promise. We aren't sure yet in what capacity, but we will keep podcasting because we've really enjoyed it. And we think those who are still hanging on and listening to us are also enjoying it. So thank you so much for all of you who have reached out to us. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on the podcast. Yeah. I think what we've actually enjoyed most, which surprised us the most, <clears throat> was how many people we've connected with through this podcast, whether it be through guests that we had on the podcast or people who've been listening and have felt that they benefited from listening to the podcast and that we, like you said, we'll get to this later, but that we got to meet. That has been such, when we started this, I was sort of skeptical of like, who's going to listen and what are we going to talk about for 13 or 14 weeks? And it turned out to be such an amazing, rewarding project. So we will be back, but we want to make sure it is deliberate and it's purposeful, and it is beneficial to people and, and useful. So we want to make sure that there's a purpose to it. That's right. So we're going to move on, and we're going to talk about what else? The Boston Marathon. So first of all, I really want to congratulate you, Lisa. I am so proud of you. You raced so well yesterday. It was such a thrill for me to be able to not only watch you through the app, but to see you on the course. And we'll talk more about that. But you finished in 311 yesterday. And that is amazing. And uh, whether that is tough for some people, but we all have different tolerances. And we'll talk more about this later. This was your weather. This was my weather. And first of all, I have to give you credit. I give Zach all the credit for the weather forecasting, but you called it the night before. You said, my prediction is you're going to finish in 311. And my, <laughs> my, in my head, I, I had a goal of 310 to 315. I knew that was hopefully reasonable. And, uh, you know, I just, I never know until I get out on the course how I'm feeling. And I, I really, my my true goal was to better my, I'm qualified already for next year. So I thought, well, if I could better my qualifying time, that would be a good, a good goal to have. My qualifying time was 316 for next year. So I thought if I can do between, you know, under 315, but you called it as I was getting closer to the finish line and realizing I was going to be 311. I'm like, Julie was right. So credit to you for uh, good, good coaching, <laughs> good coaching and extrapolating and, and, and knowing that, yes, I, a lot of people, uh, probably didn't love the fact that it came out and got sunny. I just showed you a picture. I was actually sunburned from yesterday. But for me, that is my, if I, if I had to order up some weather, it was pretty much, it was a, li a little bit warm. It got a little warm and I'll talk about that later too, but, but it was beautiful. And it was, I think part of the reason that I felt so energized on the course, well, the big reason was that I was looking forward to seeing you. And, and we'll talk about all that. We yeah. will. We're going to get to yeah. all of this. This is an overview, but, um, but I think the big reason I felt so just like really on cloud nine and really propelled through was that it wasn't like last, I kept remembering what last year was like and being so grateful that we really got a break this year. And it was back to the beautiful weather that I've always loved that we get in Boston in springtime. And it just made me so happy. I was smiling the whole way. So yeah, so yeah, so we will talk about this, but some people do better and some people don't. And you have to know which type of person you are and you have to just adjust your goals like I did last year with the cold. So, uh, but for me, this, this worked and I felt like it was a great race and I felt, I really felt like I, uh, smiled the whole way. I looked for the, I smiled at the cameras. I gave high fives. I, I was telling you last night for the first time, I kind of pumped up the crowd. Like if you, you know, get the crowd into it, they will respond. Like it was crazy. So I was really enjoying it and just kind of flying forward on the adrenaline of the crowds, which was amazing. Well, you looked amazing when I saw you, and um, I look forward to a little bit more detailed recap in a few minutes. But we wanted to sort of go in order. The last time we uh, talked about Boston was our episode before this. We had just uh, finished up a busy day, or I had in Boston, where I attended a panel of the top elite American women runners sponsored by the New York Times. And 
just really uh, just such such an incredible opportunity to hear from these women. And then um, also had the opportunity to hear from four other incredible women, top podcasters in the um, running podcasting arena, uh, Lindsay Hine, Carrie Tolson, Allie Feller, and um, who was, oh, Tina Muir, of course. And so it was just a really awesome day. And as if I didn't, I didn't think it could get any better Sunday after we recorded and headed out for the day. It got even better. And wow. I have to say, this was probably the best, most exciting, most adrenaline-filled pre-race weekend we've yeah. ever had. I really – I do think it was it was amazing. So we started out the morning. We ran over to the expo quickly so I could get my, my bib before it got too crowded um, I did a quick run through the expo, and then we went to the Mandarin oh, Orient. Oh, wait, did I forget yes, something? you oh, did. Oh, okay. okay, no problem. So we got to the expo. Oh and, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> and uh, here's here's just my little. We we both were going to go get our packets because mine was waiting there for me, even though I am, you know, on the injured list and not running. And something stopped me, and I just decided I didn't want to get it. I don't know. I know that I could have picked up my yellow shirt and bib, but I just, I don't know. It it was too hard for me. So I skipped that. And we went to the expo, met you there and we turned a corner and there was our guy, Matt Fitzgerald, who was a guest on our podcast uh, about three weeks ago. And Matt is so tall that we have some great photos. We posted them on our Facebook page, if you want to see. Um, in one of them, we cut off his head. Well, we didn't even cut <laughs> off the joint. When you post it on Facebook, yeah. we cut it off because it's too tall. He's so tall. What a wonderful – What a nice guy. Just as nice in person as he was on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we were so fortunate. It was just like luck, karma, or luck that we turned around the corner and I said, that guy, that's Matt Fitzgerald. And he was talking to one person who was in his book mm-hmm. that he had talked about in his book. And uh, he then we got to chat with him and got some pictures with him. So that was really cool. Good thing you remember that. And then we headed over. Yeah. The one thing I want to say about Matt, what I really enjoyed when we were talking with him is he said he he we told him how much we appreciated the books he's written. I mean, they've certainly helped us as coaches. And we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, that his books are, are really great. He's a, he's a great writer. He's also very – he's a great speaker. And I, I really was just totally fangirling when he thanked us for what we're doing. It just, I was like, wow, what a really nice guy. And, um, yeah, he's a runner. He's, he's awesome. He's a runner just like us. So, um, yeah, like us weekly runners, they're just just like like us. us. So then we headed over to the Mandarin Oriental, which where was the location we chose for our podcast meetup. And we are so glad we chose that location because the finish line it, it was like Disney uh, this time around. It was so crowded. There is no way that you could say to someone, I will meet you at the finish line. So for those listening, uh, for future reference, if you ever use that as a meeting spot, you can't just say, I'll meet you at the finish line. You'll have to say, I'll meet you at the finish line and I will have a balloon or something. Because- or I'll meet you at um, the Max Brenner chocolate yes. store across the street. Or I'll meet you in front of Marathon Sports. Or I'll meet you, you in front of Mandarin Oriental. You have to find a landmark because there is no way to find people in that massive Didn't used to be that way, but it is now. So we met in the lobby of the Mandarin Oriental and we were kind of nervous because no, we didn't do any RSVPs or anything. And and we were a little bit concerned that um, no one would show up. And wow, we, we had a really nice group of people show up from all over the country and dare I say, uh, different parts of the world. Um, a shout out to Addie from Australia who brought uh, koala bear keychains for us. We were super touched. Uh, we met some really awesome people, and we just really want to thank all of you who joined us. And we hope you enjoyed your treats from Lululemon and the headbands, the Run Farther and Faster Ear Warmers we provided. But we really love the community that has been built around this podcast. We list, wish we all lived closer, but. We are so grateful and we appreciated you making the effort on your busy weekend to come say hello to us. It meant the world to us. And I also want to give a special shout out to my dear college friend, Jen Blazer, who ran her first Boston Marathon 
requalified in a time of 345. And we helped Jen qualify for Boston at the New York City Marathon. And then she qualified again on her own after that. So Jen now has three BQs under her belt, but I haven't seen her in years. And it was just really such a treat to see her and and meet Adam, her partner. And it was just really, really awesome. Anything else you want to touch on? We got to meet Helen Bedore in person. Helen is one of our runners that we coach virtually. We have a lot of runners we coach virtually, but Helen is one that uh, on the buses to Hopkinton last year, ran her first Boston last year in the crazy conditions. And on the buses to Hopkinton met my friend from law school, Dara. And Dara said, if you're looking for coaches next year, you should contact Julie and Lisa. And so we've been coaching Helen for quite some time now. And we've, we've communicated with her a ton and feel like we know her already, but never met in person. And so we've been looking forward to this weekend. And I was super excited like, yeah. to have this this reunion and meetup. And it was it was like finding a long lost family member, you know, your your long lost friend or family member. I mean, that's how we feel whenever we have the chance to meet our virtual coaching clients in person. We feel like we've already, we already know them. And we do. And yeah, because, you know, we communicate very regularly and we know a lot about them, but it was so neat to finally see her in person. That was a really, that will be a memorable, memorable moment for me. And we should mention Larry Bird walked through the lobby. <laughs> that was awesome. We there because I guess the Pacers were staying in the, the hotel and there was a bus outside. Waiting. There was a little bit of excitement. There were bodyguards and we were all kind of hanging out to see, uh, you know, who would go through the lobby. Uh, so that was that was fun. But we had friends from locally who came to meet up with us, Jen Schwartz and her daughter. And we had Karen Ryan. Yeah, Hi, Karen. Yeah, we had friends that we know from other places come meet up with us and virtual coaching clients come meet up with us. And so many people listen to the podcast. And I think that's, we left that both, both of us left that on such a high. We were like, you know, it was like this big boost of, of happiness. And it was so, that was such a great, I think what made me the happiest about that was how everyone said the same thing, which was, you really helped me through my Boston training. And that's all we set out to do. We just really love this race. We love coaching and we recognize that we we can't access everyone and, and maybe people don't want to access us, but maybe they just want a few tips. And we we are really, really excited to hear that it, that was what was accomplished for those yes. people and hopefully more than that. And um, I also want to mention that uh, at the very end of the weekend, we were just getting oh, our- story later. Oh, you want to get that? Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, we can do it now. Okay. It'll be funny. That's fine. We can okay. tell a post-race story because I, I love that story. So the very end of the weekend, i.e. last night, uh, Lisa was hanging out in the lobby of our hotel, the Lowe's, waiting for uh, Lindsay and I to come out of the bathroom. And she's just standing there. And go ahead, Lisa. Yeah. I, there was a woman who had a – after Boston Marathon, everyone wears their shirts and their medals. And so you know who's run the race. And there was a woman standing near me and she had on a shirt and a medal. And I looked at her and I said, congratulations. And she said, oh, congratulations to you too. And struck up a conversation. And I asked her where she was from. And she said, Berkeley, California. And she's like, where are you from? I said, oh, Maryland, right outside Maryland, suburbs of DC. She said, oh, I listened to this podcast of these two women that are from there. <laughs> Maybe you know them. It's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, it was took like five seconds to dawn on me. I was like, she's not talking about us, is she? <laughs> and she said, it's run farther and faster. And I was like, Julie and Lisa? She's like, yes. Do you know them? And I was like, I'm Julie. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I didn't say that. I'm like, I'm Lisa. And Julie's in the bathroom. And she was like, no. It was like this. It was so surreal. This is random meetup. And so Julie came out of the bathroom and I said, that's Julie. And I introduced her. It was Jenny from Berkeley. And she had, was running her fifth Boston Marathon and still found our podcast really helpful, which I thought was really neat because like you said, it was really nice to meet some first timers who said I was really nervous and I didn't know what to expect. And I was looking for race prep and you guys gave me so much great information to find somebody who had run it five times and still felt like she got a benefit. And a uh, shout out to Jenny. She finished in, I think she said 338. 336 or 338. Yeah. yeah. Really. She told me, she said, well, it wasn't my day. It wasn't my race. And she did she great. Said, and she, I think she, she said she was in her. Yeah, she is. She, yeah, she's 50s? well qualified. Yeah, she's, she's yeah. definitely requalified. She had a great race. And then um, before I forget, also shout out to Helen. We had mentioned her before. She finished in 319. Yes. A PR yeah, at Boston. Six PR Woo-hoo! at Boston. Yes. 
So yeah. we are always excited when, however our clients do, as long as they're happy about their race, we are, but we know she was she's going to be back next year. So we get so, to see her next year, along with a lot of our yes. runners who have qualified this year for, yes. for 2020. So we left the Mandarin Oriental and we went back over to the expo. And there is every year there is a speaker series typically organized by uh, Runner's World or, you know, put on by the BAA, but there's always, there are several, and, and you can find them around the city too, but there are, are some that are officially sponsored by by the marathon and are at the expo. And I've never gone to any. I've always been too busy running around doing other things, but we saw this uh, panel that Catherine Switzer was on and we thought we've got to go see Catherine. And we walked over to uh, the Heinz Convention Center where the expo takes place. And there is a conference room. There are conference or meeting rooms upstairs. And we went up and we were a little early and we ended up uh, getting to talk to a bunch of women who are involved in 261 Fearless, Catherine's organization. So they were there as cheerleaders. They were there to run the race, had done fundraising. It's really neat to talk to them and hear about their experiences with 261 Fearless, which trains coaches around the globe to work with women, uh, particularly in underprivileged areas, or, or women that who have not had a lot of opportunity or may feel, um, they feel, you know, just like they don't have a lot of confidence and, and train them to, to run and build a community, which is really, really, uh, really a great mission, I think. So we got to talk to them before uh, the, the doors open and who walked up before the before the, the the panel, but Catherine Switzer. And so we got to give her a hug and get a picture with her and talk to her. And again, a runner just like us. So just Yeah. Like, and I, I was I was really excited because it was actually a meaningful conversation. It wasn't rushed. I felt like we had a, a chance to really to talk, before talk with her in person and thank her once again. Yeah. And, and so we have to admit, we didn't, we knew she was on the panel and we knew it was about some very influential women in like the running world, but we didn't know exactly, we didn't pay that much attention to the exact title and what, what the topic was going to be. And it was such a fascinating panel. It was women leaders in the running industry. So Catherine being there as founder of 261 Fearless, uh, we had, there was um, uh, Joanne Flaminio was there, the first female president of the BAA. Who Catherine mentioned a couple of times on her interview yes. on our podcast as being a pioneer of the BAA for that role. Right. She was 2011 to 2017. Yeah. So she was president when, uh, when during 2013, during the explosions, mm -hmm. she was president when Catherine ran her 50th Boston marathon, uh, Gloria Ratty, who we love. Oh, Gloria she, Ratty. she's 87. Yeah. But, but so, so firecracker, uh, Catherine Switzer called her out as eight, at one point mentioned, you know, look at Gloria Ratty. She's 87 and giving her as an example. And Gloria, can we say this on the yeah. mic? Gloria Ratty just speaks into the microphone and goes, bitch. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny for, for Catherine saying her, saying her age, but she is the historian for the, um, for the BAA. So she oversees the, the, um, museum that they have that's on Boylston street that houses the archives of the BAA. Uh, Mary Kate Shea was there, uh, Dusty Rhodes, right? Yeah. Catherine Switzer. And then Jennifer Thomas, Jennifer Thomas who's yeah. a VP at Adidas. And each of them had some really wonderful tips and information for, for any woman in business. It did not have to just apply to running. And, and something that stuck with us was um, the theme was don't be afraid to do new things. Don't be afraid to fail. And we hear this a lot. We hear it a lot as it as it relates to running, but in business, don't be afraid to fail. And it's easier said than done because money's involved. But I, I very much appreciated what they said. There was another thing that Catherine said, and we I thought when she was about to say one of the scariest things I've ever done, I thought she was going to go back to the story she shared. And no, it was a really surprising answer. She said one of the scariest things I've ever done is having to turn over control of her, mm -hmm. of, a, of a vision that she had to somebody else. So when she started 261 Fearless, she ended up turning it over to the younger, younger mm -hmm. than the 40s leaders that had stepped up to help. And for her to give up that control, that was really mm -hmm. an interesting answer. I also took notes because something that struck me that Joanne Flaminio said, the question was, what, what, do you, what characteristics do you think determine, can determine success? And she said, resilience and a vision and resilience. Uh, she had said, you know, when you're, when you're going to have setbacks and you have to just get through them, you have to keep pressing on. So I thought, uh, 
that was really, that was kind of encapsulated what a lot of them were saying, the kind of the, the message that they were giving is that having that resilience and having a vision and believing in who, who you are and what you can accomplish. And that, like you said, didn't just apply to running no. or to r- the running business, which is really where it was focused on, but to anything, anything in life. And, and what also struck me was how uh, they, especially um, Joanne and Gloria, had a really great relationship that they had had uh, uh, Gloria had been Joanne's mentor and 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 working together and supporting each other and supporting yeah. other women. There is enough room for many. Yeah. And um, I think women are finally getting to a place in business and in sport where they recognize that where we recognize that there's plenty of room and the more successful we all are, the more we can work together. Right. Lift other people yes. up. Yes. Just like the message that you heard from Dennis Des and Shalene. Yes. When we work together, we lift each other up and we push ourselves, we propel ourselves forward. So that yes. seemed to be a common theme. And we thought that was a great, great panel discussion. Mm-hmm. It was great. So that was a really just a great, a great day. We were wowed by that. And yeah. so then we separated. Yes. Um, I went to the Red Sox game, which was fantastic. Little little side note that was super fun was um, that was also the exact same time that Tiger Woods was about to win the Masters after an 11-year drought. And they had up on the the scoreboard, they had the, um, shots of the Masters. And then at one point, it just showed Tiger Woods just won. And the whole, all of Fenway started cheering. And however, however one feels about Tiger Woods, we know he's a controversial figure. No one can argue that this is probably one of the greatest comebacks in sports history. And I, I read his biography and um, it's hard to read a little bit because you know what? He's, he's an a-hole. However, he's a great golfer. And um, what happened to him or what he created, his, his drama, I never thought in a million years he'd come back. So side note, I think that's a lesson learned in sport that can be applied to life and certainly in running. And if he can do it, anyone can, because man, that guy was really, really low. And look at him now, 11 years later. And it's so great. So, um, yeah. And then after that, uh, after, after the Red Sox game, um, they won over the Orioles. I was reading for the Orioles. Sorry, uncle David. Um, we, I headed over to the dinner. We do a really nice dinner the night before Boston. This year we went to Ricardo's restaurant in the North end and, um, it was great. And, um, what, what I really enjoy about this dinner, it just gives everybody a chance to sort of calm, be calm before the storm and just enjoy themselves and, and sort of, it's calming to be around everyone and, and have a nice meal and just joke around. And it's just a really nice sense of camaraderie. Yeah. I skipped, I was a little sad to yeah. skip it this year, but I knew I was going to be so tired from, I got two hours of sleep on Saturday night into Sunday. I don't know. How, I, the only reason I was still going on Sunday afternoon was the adrenaline mm-hmm. from all of what we just talked about. I wasn't, I thought I was gonna have to take a nap. I went back to the room when you went out and I just, I needed some like decompression time. I thought I might take a nap, but I, I wasn't tired. So I just chilled out. I ended up getting some sushi nearby from a really great restaurant. It was called Duozo on Dartmouth Street, if anyone is interested in good sushi when you're in Boston or if you like sushi like I do before a race. So got some sushi, went to the candy place that we like, stocked up on my food, came back to the room, chilled out, watched some TV and went to bed early. And um, yeah, it was a, it was, it was a great day. It was great. So moving on, we're going to talk about why anyone's listening now. And that is our race experience. Yeah, I always get to Sunday night and I realize, oh, wait, I have to run. We always have a fun weekend and it's so filled with you. We want to run around and do a lot of things. And then we realize, oh, we're here for a race. We have to wake up early for a race. So I woke up at 5 a.m. The buses leave from Boston to head to Hopkins to start leaving at 6 a.m. And there is a schedule of uh, based on bib colors that you are advised to follow. I will say I ran into a few people who were surprised to know they will not strictly enforce it. They would like people to follow those so they don't have everybody getting there at one time. But if you have reason to go earlier, you want to go with friends, nobody's stopping anybody from getting on if you have a red bib or a white bib or whatever color bib you have. So our plan with uh, our friend Jennifer Schwartz was to get there early. I like to get on the buses, same with all the MCRC friends, like to get there early, get on an early bus so that once you get to Hopkinton, you can get a good spot under a tent. You could, you know, it's not too super crowded yet. You can use the porta potties early. 
So we decided to meet at 545. We walked to the buses, woke up. It was – And let me just say this. We is you and Jennifer because yes. I was still sleeping. I know. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it was very – and I mentioned it. You woke up quickly to say goodbye. It was very weird walking out of that room and walking to the buses without you. So it was a little sad for me. But – was glad to have Jennifer, and we uh, were lucky. It was it was uh, pretty humid and warm out when we left, uh, but it wasn't really raining very hard. It was sprinkling just a little bit, uh, and we both had our rain suits on that we ordered from Amazon, and we walked. We, uh, I Jen did not bring a bag to check, but I did, and you can check your bag on the way to the buses on Boylston Street. There are the bag trucks, so you find your number, bib number based on you know which bus has your bib number and dropped it off there and continued on to the buses. And we got onto the third bus that was going to be leaving. And it still wasn't really raining too bad. Like I said, just a little, because I don't think it was even raining then. So we got on the bus and we realized as we got on the bus, we were like sweating already. <laughs> so we both got on the bus and we unzipped our jackets and took off our, you know, all the extra gear and headed out to Hopkinton. And about 15, 20 minutes into the ride, the skies opened up and we started seeing lightning. And we thought, well, we're glad we're on the bus. And we hope this passes. Jen had her phone with her. I did not. And she was checking the line of storms and it looked like it was going to move through, you know, reason before, at least before the race started. Uh, and then the bus driver got instructions to pull over on the side. Uh, we pulled into a truck stop, like a trust truck rest stop, the whole line of buses. And just one after the other waiting. They, She told us they requested the buses hold because of the lightning. They were clearing the field in Hopkinton and they didn't want the buses arriving there. So it was just really funny. We had this funny bus driver who I think was really hell bent on being like the winner of the bus relay to Hopkinton and uh, wanted to get, um, wanted to get up to uh, Hopkinton fast. And so she pulled over behind the two buses in front of us and there were other buses behind us, but she was seeing buses go by on the highway and she was getting really worked up. And she was on her phone saying that our bus is still speeding by. Why are they still speeding by? They're supposed to stop. She was very upset that there were buses passing us, but we did sit for about 20 minutes and then she was getting antsy and she said, we're going. So we, uh, we left and pulled up to Hopkinton the uh, rain had tapered off. It was very light. We got out. Uh, we went under the tent. We found uh, some MCRCP folks who had gotten there already. Actually, I think we went, went to the, no, we did go into the tent first, put our stuff down, went to the porta potties because there are no lines early in the morning. So tip when you get to Popkington, drop your stuff, quickly go get in lines. Porta potties are typically clean. Some of them are unused and there are no lines at that point. So we did that. We got a uh, picked up a banana or a bagel. There are, there's coffee, water, bananas, bagels. Cliff was there with their bars. So you can get extra food if that's something that you need, or if you want coffee. And we sat down and we just started, you know, hanging out. MCRC folks started arriving and the time goes by. The one thing people should really understand is that time goes by in Hoppington very quickly. We got there at about, we left at about 6.15. We got there at about 7.30 and the uh, waves start leaving at about 9.20, I think, the first wave. So the first wave isn't until 10, but you leave Athletes Village at about 9.20 to walk to your corrals. So they left at 9.20. Mine was leaving at 9.40 to get down to the corrals. And it goes by really fast. So we kept getting up to go get in line for the porta potties get sit back down for a few minutes, get back up, get in line for the porta potties. And you do have to be careful about how you time that because the lines can be not terribly long, but long enough that you can get nervous if you don't time them correctly. So did the last visit to the porta potties, got ready, walked down to the corrals. And as we've mentioned before, there are uh there are porta potties down by the corrals. And as I was walking down, I thought, I have to go to the bathroom again. And I was looking at all these nice people outside their houses going, Good luck, runners, good luck. And thinking I could just say to them, Hey, can I come and use your bathroom? Uh, but I thought, you know, I know there are porta potties down at the start and there's the line shouldn't be too long. And they really aren't. They have a huge bank of porta potties down by the corrals. So I got down there, got through those lines quickly, and uh got to the start line. And there was no rain, the skies had cleared, it was a little bit humid. I got to the start corrals. The corrals are in number order from one through eight and very orderly. And you have to show your bib number to get into the corrals. And uh, as I was waiting in the corrals, I met Jen from Prince Edward Island, who had on her back pinned F50. And I was pretty sure that meant that she was the winner of the 
female 50 to 54 age group last year and what the, the previous year winners get a bib to put on their back that designates them as. So I struck up a conversation and asked her and she was and super nice. Uh, I got to talk to her for a while. Something I always love about being at the marathon is just meeting people from all over the world. And uh, it was really, really great. So um, before we knew it, gun was fired and we were off and I ditched right before I ditched my rain jacket, which I really didn't even need. It was getting too warm. Anyway, I ended up not wearing the gloves that I brought, not wearing, I didn't even pack the extra heavy throwaway gear. Didn't use our ear warmers. Didn't use, uh, a lot of the stuff that I, that I brought. So I ended up wearing a tank top and shorts and I had a fuel belt, a flip belt to put my honey stinger shoes in. And, uh, and that was perfectly comfortable. A visor? A visor, yes. Oh, a hat. I had a hat, right? A hat. No sunglasses. I did not. And most people did not. I was actually, we had a conversation about that in my start corral. We were all noticing the sun was starting to come out. Some people were saying, oh, I didn't bring my sunglasses. But most of us agreed that with the hat, you've got a hat with a brim, it would be fine. The sun was up high enough in the sky by the time that we started that it it wasn't going to be an issue. I did use our skin durance, which is a anti-chafe balm, put it all over my feet, which I'm happy to report. No blisters, no black toenails, nothing today. So I did not use the sex lube. I didn't even see it going around. So I missed out on that action. But I did use the skin durance that we have, which is made by a local guy here and sold at R&J Sports. So I used that. And uh, we were off. And you know, when I run my races, I kind of have an idea of what I'd like to do and what pace that then equates to. I've always run Boston and I know our goal. We always tell people try to negative split. And so do as I say, not as I do. I know it's very hard for me to negative split at Boston. Uh, but I also know I can't start out too fast. So I just wanted to see where I fell in the first few miles, comfortably not trying to dodge around people. And the first two miles I ran were right around seven to seven oh fives. And I thought, okay, that's a little faster than the about 715 that I want to average, but not so fast that I'm going to blow up. If it was anything under seven, I would have slowed up. But I said, let me just see you know, how long I can do this. And for the first 10 miles at least, I was spot on seven to 705, seven to 705, seven to 705. So I hit the 10 mile mark at like one hour and 10 minutes. Um, at 30 minutes, I pulled out my I had put my honey stinger chews in divided up into five baggies. So at 30 minutes, I pulled out a baggie and I started taking one at a time over and how many, mile. how many chews did you have in each um, bag? It's a package of, so it's probably 10, so, I think it's 10 chews, okay. 10 chews. So over the course of about a mile took about, I took all, I ended up finishing all the chews and I would get water at every water station because I knew it was going to be warm. And I, don't usually stop at the first couple water stations. And I had meant to bring a disposable water bottle with me. And that was the one thing I didn't bring with me. So, uh, but I did get to the first water stop and grab just enough water just to get a swish down. And, uh, and I just, I was really determined this year, a couple of things. First was to stick to my fueling strategy and my hydration, because that's something last year I couldn't do because my hands were so cold. I couldn't, after about mile seven or eight, maybe I took nothing because I just couldn't get it out and I knew how it affected me. So this year I thought I'm going to be really diligent about this. So 30 minutes, I took out that baggie, finished it, tossed it at a water station at about an hour, took out the second baggie, started doing the same thing over the course of maybe 15 minutes or so took all those shoes and, uh, took water at the water stations. And, uh, at one hour and 30 minutes, I took it out. You know, every 30 minutes I take out another baggie out of my stash that I had in my belt and just hold the baggie in my hand and take them out one at a time over the course of a mile or maybe two miles. And it was just such, it was my weather. You know, you know this, I love to run. If I could pick my weather, I'd say 60 degrees and sunny and beautiful day. We had a crosswind, which was coming from the South, but that wasn't too, wasn't too strong. It wasn't too heavy. And it was just so, uh, I, I just felt good. I felt good. I felt like, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like mile 13s here. How did that happen? Like it just was going, I was trying to look around because last year I didn't look around at all. I was so focused on looking in front of me and not tripping or not getting in huge puddles, which was meaningless. It was you know fruitless last year. So it was just, I really appreciated the day so much more because of what we went through last year. So I was staying on top of my nutrition. I was staying top of my hydration. I was having fun. I was giving high fives without wasting too much energy, energy, but giving high fives. And all through my mind, the whole time I kept thinking, I was breaking it down to mile 17 because I knew that's where you uh, and Lindsay would be. So I kept, uh, you know, I broke it down the first 5K and then 
uh, how about the, you know, get to the 10 K and then the half and Wellesley, then the half. And then at half, I, I, somebody had told me that the way you had taken the T would probably put you closer to mile 16, which it didn't, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I was just looking forward to it. So at mile 13, I remember at the half thinking, Ooh, three miles, like I three miles. Now I just have to get three miles. And once I got to 16, I could start looking for Julie and Lindsay. And, uh, so I did get to 16 and I was looking for them and looking for them. And I did see Adrian Riddell, a friend of ours, whose uh, girlfriend was running. I saw him there, but I didn't, and I was on the right side of the road and I didn't see you guys. And I was thinking, could I have missed them? I, I'm not, they're, they're going to be looking for me and I'm going to be able to see them. And as I was thinking that right as I got, I got past mile 17 and right before a water station, I see all these sparkles in the, in the, in the air and it caught my eye and it was the brim of your hats that had all these glitter on them, your unicorn hats. And I, it was, it was like when I saw my kids a lot of several <laughs> years ago, it was like just such happiness and joy to see you guys on the course. So why don't you talk a little bit about your morning and how you got to that? I think you should finish. Just go for it. Yeah. I want you to finish. Good story. That's not going. Yeah. Yeah. So I I kept going and I knew our friend Cindy Kuzma uh, was going to be on the course. She said around mile 20 to 21. So I kind of made my way over to the left side. She told me to be on the left thinking that I'd be looking for her then. And before even mile 20, I heard my name called and I looked and there she was with the Chicago flag. So that was another big boost. And once you get, uh, so the hills, hills weren't, weren't so bad. I felt good. Again, I just, I felt good. Like I knew it was like a good day for me just because I felt good and kept staying on top of my nutrition. Uh, started seeing people succumb to the heat. I will say I knew it's not everybody's weather. So I started seeing people walking. I started seeing people cramping on the side, you know, people needing medical attention. So I knew that the sun at that point was really out and it was really, I was pouring water on my head, which I don't usually do because I usually, I don't need to, but I was feeling like it was getting warm. So, uh, it was definitely, especially on the Hills. So mile 21 though, you know, you're through the Hills and I knew I was home for, I knew I only had a 5.2 miles to go. And that's a, that's a, you know, that's a short run for us these days. So it was just at that point, I, I, you know what I kept thinking the whole race back to what Teal Burrell told us on her podcast when we, I I really drew on a lot of things that, that people that we spoke to on our podcast talked about. And Teal had said her advice to just run the first third of the race with your head. And that was what I was doing when I was figuring out my pacing and making sure I didn't get carried away too fast on those, you know, sticking to kind of seven to seven Oh five kept thinking, run with your head, run with your head, run with your head. Don't get carried away. And then when I got to the second third, I think this is where you run with your legs. So I'm going to run with my legs and I'm strong and I trained. And then once I got past you and I got past Cindy and I knew I was in the last third, that this is where you run with your heart. And the crowds are, as always, are just, just incredible. And they were even more incredible yesterday. I think because last year, nobody, you know, as many people were out super incredible. And I just, I just, I felt strong. This year was probably in recent memory, the year that I felt the strongest through the end, I felt like I could pick it up. And so I knew that, you know, I've talked about this before my, that my favorite moment is that right on Hereford left on Boylston. And I took that right. And I just, I flashed back to the first time I ever ran the Boston marathon. How, when I took that right, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's this chills that you get from the wave of cheers. And I turned down Boylston and I decided this year, I've never done it, but I was like getting, encouraging the, the crowds to cheer. And when you do that, it gets even louder. And it was so crazy. And it was just amazing. And I knew then I was, <laughs> Julie was right. It's going to be 311. And I watched the clock as I got closer and I, uh, you know, crossed the finish line, 311, 46. And it was a good race. It felt great. Uh, went through the finish line. They walk you through. I had finished just behind Jimmy Johnson. He was just, they were just announcing he had finished and uh, he was being interviewed right, right in front of me, um, which was really cool. Great. You know, a lot of people kind of shun, look down at celebrities that run marathons. He ran a solid race to run a 309. He's a strong, strong runner. So, uh, and I walked through the, the whole finish area. It's kind of a process. You walk through, you get your, you get water, you get a medal, you get a heat sheet, and then you get food and it takes a while. You Then you get to the, the baggage buses. And I knew our runner, Helen, I looked, as soon as I turned my phone on, I looked at her tracking and she had just finished right after me. And I knew she'd be coming through. So, and I knew what her bib number was. So I went to wait at her bus for the bib for, for her to come get her bag. And I ran into our friend, Ken, Ken Traumatory, who's been on our podcast several times. I ran into him there and, um, 
And so we hung out for a while waiting for her and I got to see her and uh, it was just, it was great. Headed over to Fire and Ice where you were on your way, you had texted, you were on your way. So, um, so I want to hear though about your morning and how you got to mile 17. That was a great recap, Lisa. And I just want to reiterate, I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy that the weather cooperated for you. While I know it was, it was tough for a lot of people out there, um, anyone listening, we're going to talk more about that. But the weather was your weather. The weather wasn't everybody's weather. And we all have different bodies. And, you know, last year wasn't your weather. It wasn't anyone's weather no. last year. But colder well, temperatures aren't. Some. Like True. Jen, who I met in the, in the corral, she told me, she said, I was ready for that. She had a great year last year in those conditions. And I knew I wasn't. And I had to adjust my strategy once I realized what the weather was. So same yesterday. If, if that was not, a lot of people don't run well in the heat. You got to just... Know your body. Know your body. Exactly. So I had a very different race experience, obviously, this year, being an injured runner and deciding to go to Boston. And the first thing I'm going to say is I'm really, really happy that I made the decision to come. I had a little bit of trepidation that certain moments would be hard for me. And the weekend for me sort of turned into like a runner's convention with a little race attached to it. And ordinarily, of course, when you're running Boston, you are focused on running the race and you're trying to sort of minimize your energy stores so that you don't do too much, as we've talked about in this podcast, and then blow your race because you spent too much time walking around downtown Boston, touring, going to things and doing all of the Boston things. And for the first time ever, I was able to do all of the things and I didn't have any guilt about it. I wasn't concerned about getting my electrolytes or um, how many steps I was taking. I, I walked both days. Um, Saturday and Sunday over 10 miles, um, just doing all the things. And um, it's crazy. And my knee and is... You didn't get any yeah, exercise My, like, my knee exercise. is fine. I mean, it's crazy. I cannot believe I'm having knee surgery, but it's, it's a thing I cannot run or jump. So that's something we have to be able to do. So walking's fine. And what was really, really hard, I thought, was watching you leave the hotel room. And when you left... I had a moment and I went to sleep and that was it. And so, Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, LT Lindsay, uh, came from where she was staying, met me at the hotel and together we left our hotel. We were staying at the Lowe's and we, one thing I want to say about the Lowe's real mm-hmm. quickly, I'm just going to, uh, digress for a minute. Lowe's is a great location. It's right off the finish line, but they didn't offer any accommodations for runners this year for showering. They had these fancy packets they gave to everyone checking in who was running. They had fancy certificates they printed out for runners, and they had all these t-shirts on celebrating the Boston Marathon on on Marathon Day. So they had all the dog and pony and show well bells and whistles, however you call it, to, to look like they were really supporting the runners. But you know what they didn't offer at the Lowe's? They did not offer any sort of shower for the runners. Every hotel I've stayed at over the the last 10 races has had a shower or very close to the hotel, a shower facility. They just, this is normal. This is just to like give some context. This is, this is normal. And same thing with me in the 15 times I run this, every single hotel had some sort of accommodations. They either set aside rooms that they didn't book, two rooms, and they would just have a stack of towels and you hoped you got in there early before the rest of the runners did. They would let you use their spa, their fitness center. They would arrange for a nearby health club for you to go in and use complimentary. So those are different things that different hotels have used. And, and we're talking all of the hotels, not just the- Right. The, oh, like low ends, like high ends, all of them. everything. I remember one year I stayed in, I don't know, maybe a Holiday Inn or something, and they got us free passes to the next door YMCA. And it wasn't, you know, plush or luxe or anything like that, but it was a shower after. And we found out pretty early on here that they weren't going to- have any accommodations. Yeah. So they told us when we checked in that we could use for $25 the local Equinox Health Club. No, you said 25 When I went down and checked, they said 35 <gasps> They raised the price. It was 35 But more importantly, the Equinox Health Club was nowhere near the hotel. So imagine running a marathon, checking out the same day as we did, and then flying out that night. Schlepping all of your bags to shower. It was 
over four blocks. It was probably maybe 0.3 miles and or so. not four quick blocks because no. everything is barricaded on Marathon Monday. There's no direct path to Equinox from the hotel. So big fail, Lowe's. And we hope anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you have the luxury of staying at the Lowe's, um, make sure you call and ask them what their accommodations will be because it really didn't take a lot of effort for this hotel to reserve one or two rooms and it was all about money. And I think that was a big fail. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Should I say I'm still not even showered? <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you, you showered, I showered quickly, quickly before I got in bed last night, but I really still need to like wash my hair and shower. Here we are. 24 you hours. smell under. great, Lisa. I know, Julie. I warned you. <laughs> I love you. So, um, yeah, so I, left with Lindsay and we took off for spectating my very first Boston Marathon. And thanks to Rachel Glazer, our podcast guest, we had a plan in place. We decided to take the Green Line to the um, Woodland Country Club stop, which is right around mile 17. We also had the opportunity to meet up with Sarah and um, uh, Jen, and both of their husbands were running. Shout out to Brian Murphy and to Kelly. And they both were veteran spectators, so they kind of knew what to do. So I was really grateful to hook up with them. They waited for Lindsay and I, and together we went on to the tea. And unfortunately, because the weather was so nice, the teas were packed. People looked like sardines, and we had to wait a significant amount of time to get on a tea that had space for us. So even though we got an early start, it took us a very long time to get out to mile 17, and this was a straight shot. So and what time did you leave, and what time did you get there? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that we left and started getting started trying to go around 8, 8.45. 8.45.9 and the women's race started at 9.30 and we really thought we'd have plenty of time because we were at mile 17. And unfortunately, we missed most of the elite women. The runners ran faster than the team. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was a big bummer for me. I tried not to dwell on it too much. I was really, really, really looking forward to that. But what can I do? I just, I thought we had an early start. We did. And then the team was really crowded. But most importantly, we had a we did see Yiki, the winner from last year. So that was cool. The men's race starts at 10. He went through and we saw Michael Wardian and we saw we saw a lot of the elite men. Let me ask you, was the tea free? Like remember uh, Rachel had say No. Yeah. I, I thought that was just for – in the past it's just been after the race for runners. They'll let runners on the tea for free after the race. That's happened to me pretty much every year when I've taken the tea. But not – I don't think it was – it's not free all day. No. And yeah. it's only like two bucks. Right. So it was no big deal. I just wasn't sure. Rachel thought maybe they would let, let the – let spectators on, but I thought it was just runners after the race. Yeah. So there we were. We, we hopped on the tee. Finally, something opened up for us and we were sporting unicorn hats and I had a tutu on to, uh, I wanted to be easy to spot and celebratory. And, uh, we found a great spot in spite of all the crowds that were already established all around mile 17. We walked maybe a block and found right in front. I never noticed it was there. Apparently, it's a big synagogue at mile 17. No, there's so there's a huge country club on runner's left. And on runner's right is a big synagogue. Like, I don't notice anything. And there we were in front of it and conveniently a couple porta potties. So, for those listening, there, there were. Uh, facilities for spectators too, which okay. is good because I was a little worried about that because we weren't near. Although like, weren't they the same ones runners were using? Yeah, but well, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, it was great. We the four of us, uh, Sarah, Jen, LT, and me, uh, lined up and we had our cameras ready, our phones ready, rather to take pictures, and we just started waiting and watching. And first runners started coming through. And of course, the very first guy runner from MCRC was Jeff Dune, who's the same guy for whom I was. I took his bag for him and did a drop at Fire and Ice for him. But Fire and Ice was not open early enough. So it was at the hotel. I'm like, of course, he's the first guy. Like, I was really hoping I could get him his bag personally. No, you were, like, was going to get way before you. <laughs> Fortunately, it all worked out for Jeff. And I think it was very helpful for him. But I just had to chuckle that that he was the one that I was for doing sure. this you for. And he the was the first the guy through. Yes. Where you get a little extra time. He was the absolutely Absolutely going to beat me back to the bar. So in any case, um, we we saw everyone. And I'm really pleased that I was able to get a lot of pictures. And what was really awesome was 
everyone saw us. And I could see even for those who were running, like I saw Alka and Alka was clearly running serious. And I saw Kristen Serafin and she was running serious. That's great. But they saw us and I hope we gave them a boost. I think we did. And Lisa, when you came through your big smile and I, I captured it in a photo, we posted it on our page and on Instagram and you just look so happy and, and free. And I knew you were having a good day. It made me so happy. I was like, you know what, if, if, if I can't run, I want Lisa to run for me. I want everyone to run for me, but I was particularly excited that you were having a great day. It made me so happy and it just gave me such a boost by proxy to see you look so happy. I knew this was your weather and you looked great when I saw you and you had a big wave and you kept going. And I was like, okay, I feel I'm so happy. And then little by little, we saw, I would say 75% of the runners out there, we were standing among other people. And this woman's like, oh my gosh, you know everyone. And I said, <laughs> I'm just so lucky. We have a lot of runner friends out here. And I think there are a couple poignant moments for me. Um, the first happened, I'd say like three, three, four minutes after you passed, Ken Traumatory, who's been on our podcast, rolls over and he actually stopped and said hello and um, gave me a big hug. And, you know, I've run a few Bostons with Ken and uh, we have a really fun time running together and he was running alone by choice. He has, he had a great race. He, he is a very fast runner naturally and he doesn't always run well in this weather and he did, he did very well. He said he had a better time than he deserved, but I disagree. He did great. And, um, yeah, he gave me a big hug and, and I have to admit that brought me some tears. I had a real sense of FOMO there and, uh, you know, I got past it and I was really happy to see him and then before I could even wallow in any sort of moment of self-pity, which I didn't have time for, uh, Karen Ryan rolls up and Karen is uh, a terrific runner. And uh, we had the privilege of coaching Karen for her first uh, Boston and she's been running. She ran five more after that and she's still going. And Karen, this was not her weather and she knows that about herself. So Karen adjusted her goals and she was real casual and she walks over, not walks over, but stopped. And she's like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. But this is not my weather. She wasn't panicked or freaked out. She was just like very no, calm. And I really admired that and appreciated that because I think if more runners can do that and recognize that it's not your fault, it has nothing to do with how you train or your ability or your worth and your time. It's just some of our bodies respond better to warm weather. Some of our bodies respond better to cold weather. Karen actually did pretty well last year in the, in the horrible yeah. weather. She had a really solid race. It wasn't ideal for her, but she did well. And I think by the, by her recognizing what works for her and adjusting her goals, she had an act a more enjoyable race than if she would have chosen to fight it, knowing that her body doesn't respond well to this heat. I think that takes experience and it takes common sense, um, both of which Karen has. So shout out to you, Karen. It was really nice to see her. Gave her a big hug, took a couple photos, and off she went. And I knew she'd be fine. I knew she said it wasn't her day, but I knew she'd she'd feel good about what she did out there. And and I think she did very well. Um, and then one of our runners came up and it was Andrea. We've been coaching Andrea for years. This is her second Boston. Phenomenal she, runner. She's a stellar runner. This was not Andrea's weather. And uh, Andrea came up and her face was had was like covered in the white salt. coat from not having enough right. salt. And that's because the forecast did not predict this weather. And while we can prepare as much as we want, I saw very few runners out there with sunglasses. I'm sure most weren't wearing sunscreen. And Andrea was in was farther back. And that makes a difference because when you start farther back, that means your race is more in the sun because the sun came out right after the race started in the first wave. So she was on the struggle and bus. it was warmer. It was getting warmer, it was warmer as the day went on. So all of a sudden, I realized my purpose – was right then and there. I I mean, how often do you have an opportunity as a coach to be on the front lines when your runner is running and be available for them in the middle of a race? Right. I mean, I know for me that doesn't happen ever at Boston, and um, it it really it really um was a, a poignant moment. So Andrea had uh, a tough go. She had a cramp in her leg. She was um, a little bit that hyperventilating sensation you have when your electrolyte imbalance you have an electrolyte imbalance, and I could see it. Fortunately, we were right by a water stop. And we were able to sort of talk her through it. We, me, it was just me. And um, I keep me saying, me, yeah, you were running. And um, quickly she realized that's that's what it was. She needed to adjust her nutrition, take in more electrolytes. She was holding a bottle of water. I said, just water is for your head right now. Water is to dump over your head. It is not to drink. It's all electrolytes, all electrolytes. So uh, she did that. And 
according to Andrea, that that moment, it was a good five minutes. We were talking and kind of getting her back on track. She persevered. She finished the race and she hung on tight. It was not her ideal. It wasn't close to her goal time, but it wasn't that far off. She did a really great job with what she had. Incredibly respectable time too. There's oh, yeah. nothing. And the thing is, is I think anyone out there listening, what, what makes you a, a, a great athlete is not when you're able to have that PR necessarily because you had a great day and you got your PR and what year did you get your PR? I had my PR at this time and my PR or is this. Or just that you got a PR at the end of your training. And that's yeah. not like to say then, okay, that that's what you know, makes you a great reward. athlete. Right. That's what made me that exactly. What makes, in my opinion, someone a great athlete is what they do in times of trouble, what they do when they're down, what they do with in the face the of adversity. The resilience that yeah. we talked about before. So I, I saw that. I saw that out there. And uh, shout out to all of the runners listening to this that struggled because of the same reasons Andrea did, Karen did, and so many others. Uh, there was heat, and no one was prepared for that. And uh, what you did in the face of, of, of adversity is what makes you the runner you are and makes you the person you are. And that's why there's so many life lessons wrapped up in running and particularly marathoning. So, and I have to say that somebody who finishes yesterday or any marathon in that kind of condition, that challenge with, with in pain, having doubts about themselves, I think work a lot harder than people like my race yesterday, where I felt great. It was like, that was a joy to be out there. That was a privilege. And I, I was happy to be out there and it wasn't easy, but it was, it was a good day. And so I think it's harder to finish on those days that it's not a good day and you've got to push through and persevere and show some grit and get to that finish line. It's not reflected in your finish line time, but it is, like you said, that's what makes a great athlete. So I think it's hard. I look at the runners who took five hours. I think, how are they out on that course for five hours or six hours? That's a long time to be out there. That's hard. So I think that that in itself, that decision to continue on and to finish is almost more commendable than a, a, than a stellar finish time or a PR. I think they're both commendable, but I, I but just I think that takes a lot more. It takes a lot of grit. Yeah. And speaking of grit, it also takes a lot of courage to uh, leave a course. And one of our runners, Kim, who's an amazing athlete, was pushed on the course, pushed and fell at mile 10. Twisted her ankle ankle and banged her head. And I think for a few minutes, she thought she could keep going because Kim is tough. She is a great runner and a very seasoned athlete, triathlete. And uh, we've been coaching Kim for years as well. And she, she could not keep going. Her ankle did not cooperate. She hurt her head. She ended up in the medical tent. And um, she sent me a, a text and said, I had to drop out. Um, this is what happened, very matter of fact. And already she's like, yeah, I just want to really focus on recovering and working on my strength, which is what we talked about. She already has her plan in place. And uh, she's upset, I'm sure. But I just really admire her approach. And and that's a case of having to get off the course. That is oh. not a question of can you continue? Can you push through? No, she had to. This is you cannot finish this race. There's no, you know, she, that was not, she but was not in a condition. To she's finish. not beating herself up. No. It happens. Shit happens. Yeah. And she handled it well. And I love her attitude and props to Kim. And speaking of which, I also want to give a huge shout out to our dear client, Monica White. Monica is a rock star. Monica last year broke her hip. And uh, we won't go into the story, but it it it, it was a big it's break. Been a long recovery. It's been a long recovery. She, um, I think, it was something that it was never anticipated by her, and it's been a long recovery. And we we constantly check in because we we want to hear how she's doing, recognizing that when you break your hip, it's a long it's a long road. And uh, she sent us an email two days ago and said, you know, I'm not my running's not back yet. Because she broke this hip and it's it's a, it was she had two um, major, rods major, she had put yeah. two rods put in it was it, it was a big deal, very big deal and uh, she said I think I'm going to sign up to volunteer at Boston next year because I love this race and I want to be back in some capacity. What an amazing woman and how fortunate are we that we know such awesome people that we can surround ourselves with and and garner inspiration from. So shout out to all of those ladies. And in any case, uh, spectating for me was really exciting. It was an interesting um, 
observation for me also, when you spectate a marathon, you realize, okay, first of all, obviously so many people, so many goals, so many stories, every single person out there has a story. And at the end of the day, your story is so much more important than your time. And I don't, I know that sounds very trite because we all work so hard and we have goals and goals are important. Goals help us stay on track. Goals are exciting. But when you look back on these years of running in every Boston, hopefully what makes your Boston experience special is not the time. It's the story behind it. It's the story behind your race. And we've said this over and over. It's worth repeating. Your time is not what defines you. It's, it's what, what went into it? What happened in the background? What did you, what challenges did you have? What successes did you have? So as you evaluate your race, we hope that you draw inspiration from all the runners around you and their stories. Um, I know I love reading the newspaper after the Boston marathon and hearing the stories. The one that stuck out for me is the same one that's being reported everywhere. The, the Marine who crossed the finish line, um, with his crawling with his shoelaces containing the names of, um, those he served with in Afghanistan and, and passed away. And I mean, how, how meaningful just showing that every race you run is there, there are people out there much bigger than, and, and issues much bigger than you. And if you look outside of that and find your why y- you will persevere and crawl across that finish line, no matter what. Yeah. And I have to give a big props to you because I've told you this before, if I was in your position, I would find it very hard to go with a good attitude to Boston and you are the most amazing cheerleader supporter. You were there for everything I needed this weekend. You were, you know, you were like making sure I was squared away. Uh, we usually in the past have stayed in a hotel room together on Saturday night and then separately on Sunday night just to have our own space. And this year I ended up deciding to stay with you because I hadn't, I was coming up on, on Sunday and I hadn't gotten another hotel room and I would do this every year. It was just definitely so amazing to be with you. And like, I, I just admire you for, you just talked about the perseverance and the grit and the, the attitude that our runners who, who push through adversity have. And I see that in, I see that in you in spades because I would have found it really hard to go up there with a good attitude. I would maybe would have gone, but I would have been pissed all weekend that I wasn't getting to run. And I would have felt just wallowed in self-pity but you were every step of the way with a huge smile and uh, supporting everybody. And the fact, I know that wasn't easy for you. So for you to do that was meaningful for me. And I think the hardest weekend, part of the weekend for me too, to hear you say this earlier was like, it was hard when I left that room, I left that room and I just had this sinking feeling in my stomach of like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this together. It's our ninth year of being in Boston together. We both run and run before that, before we knew each other, but nine years of, of being in Boston together and having this be our time together and to leave that room in the morning was really hard. So I just, I want to thank you and I want to tell you how much you inspire me with your attitude because stuff happens to people and you set a really great example for how people can handle it and be lifted up. Look what, I mean, you went and you, you told me, you know, this was such a great experience. Like you're so glad you went. So you got lifted up by kind of pushing through a lot of your reservations and just deciding to make the best of it. So thank you. And it would never be the same without you. Aww. And I'm just glad you were there. And it really, it made a difference in my race. And I know it made a difference in everybody's race that was there, that you supported out on the course and that you cheered for. And even people you didn't know. And people who we met through the podcast who, you know, who, who we don't know personally, but we know through that. And I, I just, I big props to you. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And thank you. And uh I think I think we're ready to sign off. Crazy, I so know. Let's That's- let's let's mention for anyone who's local, we are starting our speed and strength program. You can run, come run with us. We love this program because it's a weekly in-person program. It is at track at Richard Montgomery High School in Rockville, Maryland. Even if you live in DC or you live in Virginia, there's no traffic on Sunday mornings. Very easy to get to. And we run together. Everybody stays on the track so nobody gets left behind. We have schedules for beginners, intermediate, advanced for people who are preparing for 
Fall marathons, if you are preparing for a fall marathon, this is a good time to build a base of speed, focus on your strength, on your form, on your efficiency. And that is what we do. And there are schedules that will help those runners build a base. And uh, registration is on our website, runfartherandfaster.com under we, programs. We have guest speakers and trainers every week, um, really terrific folks. We try it. We, we bring in a lot of people who are experts in our area uh, that we've brought in before, our wonderful physical therapist, Rachel Miller is one of them. We have a yoga instructor, Cynthia Velez from Lifetime Fitness, who's coming. Um, We've got Prime Fitness, who you've heard on the podcast coming, and just really great folks who are experts in their area. And it allows runners to learn how they can incorporate strength, flexibility, form, and just become a better runner as a whole before starting on your fall goals. And for those who are beginner runners, how to become a runner. So we hope you'll consider joining us. Great camaraderie too. It's so fun to be on the track with others that are working towards the same goal, even if you're different paces. And it's a really uh, great way to start your Sunday morning. So that runs May 5th through the end of June with some optional goal races that are at the end of June, Suds and Souls 5K, beginning of July, July 4th, the Autism uh, speaks 5k in Potomac, Maryland. So those are optional. I don't, nobody has to do them, but it's a fun way to cap off the program. So you can find out more on our website and we would love to stay in touch with people. We we will be back. We've had so much fun doing this. We've had so much fun connecting with people. So please keep reaching out to yes. us, Julie and, and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com or through Facebook, Instagram. Leave us a review, please, because that's <laughs> how last, people find us. One last page for <laughs> review. Thank you for those who have. We are really appreciative. Just leave us a review. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We will be back and we wish all of you a wonderful recovery from the Boston Marathon. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Julie.